What's up, PlayStation Universe, and welcome to episode 6 of PlayStation Fix. So we're going to do a little bit different thing now going forward, where we're just going to, we're really just going to talk about exactly what we talk about and what's, what we need to get off our chest. <laughs> it's a confession. <laughs> pretty much. So we're going to be... Try I've sinned. Yeah. So this week we've got all four of us here again. My name is Will Robinson, and joining me are senior editors for PlayStation Universe, Adam Byrne. Hello. Kyle Prawl. Hello, chaps. And Ernest Lynn. Hello. <laughs> so you, were you, were you thinking for just Wait. a second there what your tagline was going to be, and then you kind of went, hello. <laughs> yeah, and I physically waved. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I'm a method actor. All right. <laughs> All right, so... What we're going to do now in the future going forward is we're going to take, like I said, stuff that we want to talk about and things that are bothering us or things that we really just feel like we need to keep talking about. And one of the things that we all can talk about fully now together as a group is how we feel about Metal Gear Solid V The Phantom Pain. The definitive verdict. Adam was the last one of us. I'm sorry, to finish guys. Up. Had to wait for him. So we're basically going to see now that since it's been a couple months since the game's been out, and now that we've all finished it, do we think that it really holds up <clears throat> to the hype that it got, or does it still give that kind of good feeling of the review scores? And that, that's actually going to be an interesting thing to talk about later on that I had a point on that. But anyway, so we all finished it. What did we all think? We'll start with Adam, since you're freshest, since it's freshest in your mind. If we're, are we talking in total or just the ending? Or? <laughs> That's a good start. We'll, we'll, we'll dive. We'll dive into the ending. Well, okay. This is. Let's do a more pointed question. How did you feel when you finished Metal Gear Solid Five? Like, what were the emotions that you had? I, I to be honest, I actually kind of enjoyed the ending. I think where my issues lies, my issues mainly lie a lot more involved in the whole experience. But the ending itself and the the twist, I kind of like that. I kind of like kind of given it's the end of the whole series effectively, and and it kind of puts you in the shoes of Venom Snake, so to speak. I actually kind of enjoyed that twist. Um, it wasn't. Yeah, as... I guess we should say too before this that this is going to be a big spoiler episode, obviously. <laughs> well, yeah, naturally, yeah. We're going to talk oh. about everything in the game, so if you don't want to know more of the details, stop listening now. But continue, Adam. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I think the the ending was actually one of the highlights. I took way more issue with how it got to the ending and the contents of. I think how it built itself up, it did the best with what it had, but the tools it, be, it began with shouldn't it shouldn't it should have been. Kind of more developed, but from an ending point of view, I, I enjoyed it. Okay, so what do we want to even talk about? What we would individually score this, or do we just let's just have a conversation? Actually, I don't I don't like attaching the numbers if we don't. Rudimentary number, yeah, no. Okay, There's so no Kyle, what was your feeling finishing Metal Gear Solid? Like as a as um, a whole, we'll get into the de we'll yeah. debate about the ending in a little bit. Okay, yeah, kind of the broad feelings. Um. Definitely a little bit of sadness. Like maybe sadness isn't the right word, but that kind of surreal feeling you get when you feel like a thing is kind of finally over, you know. And in this case, it was the series. Sure. So I'm just taking, yeah, like I'm just taking that at face value. Like just as the same as when four came out, we have to assume that this is the end. And so I, I, I kind of treat it like that. And so yeah, definitely, definitely sad in the sense that like this is presumably the last core Metal Gear Solid I'm going to play. Um. Also, yeah, well, sad is probably one half of it, but then also 
it's really it's a really cliche word, but like heartwarmed, you know, or like heartened because, and um, you know, we've we've talked about this before. Like, to, I I don't think the ending was perfect, but to me the the and you know, like you said, it's just going to be straight up spoiling it. To me, the notion that like was driven home that that you, the player, now that everything is said and done, now that the series is over, you should go forth feeling like you were big boss all this time, like you were the hero, and this was always your adventure not his like you're the mythic figure that was um that was heartwarming enough to me and resonating enough with me that it, it allowed me to probably ignore the, the 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 really poor pacing of the game and like to me that really stands out as the biggest issue is the poor pacing both in terms of how you know toward the end of the missions you had to randomly like do other activities to advance the game in terms of how like it was structured such that you have these really huge story moments halfway through and then at the very end, but then kind of calm and plateau in between. But yeah, all those kind of things had been there the whole time. Um, and so, yeah, I guess when I finished the game, I, I felt, yeah, probably a little less positive than in like the first 10 or 20 hours, you know, when it was such a new brand new thing and like, it was really exciting and firing all cylinders. Like I definitely fell from, um, being like, oh my god, this game is maybe possibly game of the year. To this game is great, but there's something here that that didn't feel right. Yeah, and that was actually something that would be interesting to talk about in a bit. Was how far do we think most reviewers actually got through the game before <laughs> scoring it? Because finishing, if you get to the point where like chapter one is done, I would agree with almost all of the scores that are out there for it in terms of like really high. Really, yeah. Like that, I mean, that ending part, I mean, I wouldn't give it a 10, but I'd give it a really solid score after that. But after that point, it kind of wavers Real quick, a bit. That, that midway point was the fight with Sahal Anthropus in the open field, right? With um, Psychomancist yeah. kind of controlling him. And right, what? but then, yeah, but then once that all was done and then there was a big trailer, like, montage for Chapter 2. Like which that was like the most yeah. adrenaline pumping part that was of the amazing. game. That was amazing because like you have no idea what the length of the game is really going to be, and if you're like me, like you played a shitload of that game within the first chapter, and you're like, mm-hmm. I've already put like 55 hours in this game. Like I don't know how much yeah. longer it's going to be. And in my head, I'm like, oh, maybe not totally worried, but like a little bit worried that that Sahelanthropus fight was was the end. You know, yeah. so I'm like, well this would be about the right time for that to happen. Mm-hmm. But then seeing that, yeah, like that was an awesome Kojima moment for me was, was then chapter two trailer. I'm like, what? Yeah. All right. So Ernest, your turn. How'd you feel? When I finished the game, um, yep. I'm will... with Kyle there mm-hmm. where I was a little, little melancholic, uh, since it, it is the presumably last main entry, at least one that'll be, uh, directed and written and everything by Kojima himself. Um, the 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 with the ending, I felt that I was kind of robbed of what I was looking forward to and expecting, which is mm-hmm. the 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 fall and the uh, of Big Boss and having him turn into the villain. That oh, we all sure. know. And so it mm, I feel like true. some mo- some moments lo- that you experienced during the game lost kind of lost some meaning now that you yeah. looked at back on it that this wasn't actually big boss doing it. Uh very specifically mm-hmm. the uh quarantine slaughter sequence. 
Ernest, mm. if I could, uh, so I, I totally agree with you there. Looking back at right. the trajectory, it feels like wasted opportunities. But if I could frame it maybe a different way, maybe the intention was, for better or for worse, I'm not saying it was the right thing to do, but maybe the intention was, you know, like I like I I felt a little bit like as we saw Big Boss kind of descend into being nefarious and like losing his humanity a little bit. Like that was that was difficult to see. Like you knew it was coming, but it was kind of like the episode three moment of like this is a little hard to watch you know even though we know it's a story thing but then mm-hmm. it gets turned on its head later and then t- maybe the intention was by like rem- like suddenly oh that wasn't big boss descending into madness that whole time so he's still the hero we think he is well, that's mm-hmm. a good way to look at it but there's still still some hope <laughs> and it kind of I guess fits better with some other appearances he has in the Metal Gear saga. Yeah. You know, specifically like later on in in Metal Gear Solid 4. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. but he's still he's still the bad guy in Metal Gear 2 though, right? Yeah, I, I believe he, well, so. he, right. He's, he's or at least like portrayed as the villain for Metal Gear 2. Because yeah. Metal Gear 1 we now know is Venom Snake. Yeah, you're right. I mean, for them to kind of pull the rug out and be like, oh, wait, Big Boss is still heroic, that is actually kind of flying against the the themes of the later games, so not definitely not the right choice to make well, if that I, was their intention. I don't think that portrays him as being heroic at the point. He just went off and did his own thing. You don't yeah, know what yeah. he did. It was just like it was just a switch, but anyway, I'll before we keep going, I'll give since everybody else gave a turn, I'll say I when I got to the end, I was honestly disappointed not because it was the last metal gear solid game i kind of was disappointed in the fact that i had a better view of the series before i finished that in terms of story and all that kind of stuff there were some cool points that connected like ernest was talking about that kind of connect back to stuff that's happened in four that i appreciated but i just my enjoyment of the game started waning towards the end of playing it and I just I kept getting more I felt like I was getting let down every time I'd get to like these big moments and I was waiting for that big Metal Gear moment as everybody calls it and that it just never happened and I kept waiting and waiting and it get there and then it almost get there and it stop and it almost get there and it stop and it just kept dragging and I just I didn't buy any of the story decisions towards the end and I mm-hmm. it just felt like a lot of it was not thought out as well as it has been in the past because that's the thing so, i kind of i think if you put it at its most kind of basic i kind of just feel betrayed in the sense that we didn't have that descent into madness for, or like just big bosses fall from glory because we, we still don't know now the, the gap between the start of this game like 1984 and then the beginning of metal gear one in 1995 there's this whole gap of when Big Boss is away doing his own thing, and we'll never know the full extent to that. Like that's mm-hmm. where the real development of the character should be, and that's what I think many Metal Gear fans presume this game was to be. Right. Um, I don't so. care about this medic who has plastic surgery and brainwashing or whatever. Yeah, and it was the it, the thing that bothered me. One of the things that bothered me the most that was really cool before I got to the final ending, where they revealed that it wasn't. Uh, big boss 
was the sequences did the did you get you i know kyle did because i talked to him about this but did you guys see the scenes with pause when she came back yeah yeah so like he was like like imagining all of the stuff and it was like really impactful and it was really cool and then it was like him being tortured by the stuff that happened but then it's just like this random dude who's having yeah. all of these emotions it's not big boss it's like, it's like well that just completely dude, why makes should it, you care yeah not it's like real that's not <laughs> this doesn't make any sense at all and it totally loses its impact and it's just i think the only way uh, that it remains impactful is if if well for me see i didn't get to those scenes until after i had finished the game oh okay so i got through almost like, all of them lost a lot of meaning but it still kept some impact for me because i liked pause as a character and so that's only yeah. It really, it, sort it of really, anger that I had left on for me. Yeah, that I mean that situation, like you're you're right, Will. That is like it, it it does it doesn't make a lot of sense. So then it becomes a question of like, do you do you buy the idea that the um the power of suggestion and the power of memory implantation was powerful enough to cover pause and memories of her as well? And like that's I mean that's fair if 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 a player doesn't buy that because that is kind of stretching even for a game that that is already stretching the mm-hmm. limits of science and physics like that's like that that maybe is where you start to see the seams of and I, where this is going to be a huge topic I know for us but that's that's maybe one case where you start to see the seams of an ending that was retroactively written you know in light yeah. of mm-hmm. light of what was forced to be cut from the game now and that's what it felt like to me it felt like a yeah. cop out when I got to the end because I did not care at all for big boss being you i thought that was totally dumb i thought that was the dumbest thing i've ever seen in the series and it was just like i don't want i'm not in this game i'm not part of this game i play these games because i want to play as big boss and as solid snake and i don't it's not me i don't want to be involved in this and then i got my name up there and i was just like are you kidding me okay the the name is a bit ham-fisted i get that but at least it kind of gives context to yeah. you know why Miller went the way he did you know and then like <clears throat> this, then Foxhound kind of went or you know the split the two with Asla and Miller and stuff kind of gives context to that but even on the back mm-hmm. of it it's it's annoying because given the way there is that big ending and this big twist it kind of forgoes any struggle that Venom would have throughout the game since he's complicit yeah. in it all you it can't right. show you any <clears throat> you know him doubting himself and stuff because it would give away the give away the plot but if you look back at it now knowing it it's kind of annoying just to think that his you know, allegiance to big boss was such and so strong that he never questions any of it really mm-hmm. and, and I know, I as i said you, you can't show that because then it will give it away to the player but yeah it just seems it's it, it was like he was backed into a corner too quickly like kojima and made this ending and it just it doesn't well it don't okay. mind the ending yeah. but it's just well, even at awkward. the end too they've made it seem like well they uh when they had they had ocelot talking to the, the real big boss in the very end of that and he was basically saying that he was gonna brainwash the guy so that he really believed he was big boss and he was gonna brainwash himself to make him really believe that that guy was big boss too but at mm. right after that happened it showed Venom Snake listening to a tape from Big Boss, yeah. looking in the mirror and saying like, "We're both Big Boss," and he's like clearly knows who he is, that he's not actually Big Boss, and that he's just like the other guy, but he's pretending now. So it's like, oh, you can't go back and forth like like it was a it was a cool scene, but you can't throw in a cool scene just because it's a cool scene if it contradicts what was just said. It's just like, oh. 
My thing, so there's definitely like seams in the game that we can point to and be like that feels like it was like retroactively added or that feels like um a uh what's the word i'm looking for like a, like a plot hole that they didn't go back and think to to recover after they changed the ending but mm-hmm. this is this is where it's hard to draw the line in the sand because for each one of those moments that seem like really incongruous and and don't gel together to me there's an equal number of moments where you could almost see, and, and part of it might be the power of interpretation, but you can almost see how, at the very least, we know there was a big chunk of the ending cut, but how maybe the Venom thing was still planned from the beginning in some form. I'm sure it was. I, okay. yes. that, I, that I'm not questioning that was there. My yeah. biggest issue with it was that I was not surprised by it. It wasn't a twist. It was like, oh, that's how they're doing it. Because at the very beginning of the game, Kiefer Sutherland is the voice of the guy who's helping you out of the hospital. So That's it's like, what I was thinking. Either he's was a, a really... So it, it's like either he's real there and there's a big thing that they're trying to hide or he's just imaginary the whole time. So it's like I'm, those are the two options. And it's like, oh, they went with that one when I got to the end. It's like I'm so surprised that they didn't, like Ishmael didn't say, but he said he barely spoke or just murmured. Or, you know, they did it in some certain way that when the reveal happens at the end of the game and you replay the first mission, that is actually David Hayter. And then you know that that's <laughs> Yeah, actually... that is really strange to me. Like, like... Because you can't have the same. How are you going to have this? Uh, like, right. That's a really missed opportunity in my eyes. Yeah, so like it, it makes, like if they're trying to hide the secret, it makes sense that they wouldn't have had Hayter be the voice of Ishmael in the hospital. But at the very least, if you've already given up the plot of the game and now it's clear that Kiefer Sutherland was... Co- was kind of a directorial choice to like be a different character. Well, then, how about have the three or four lines that the real big boss does at the end be voiced by David Hayter? Yeah, that That's, would have been way cooler. It makes literally no sense. Like you, you differentiate the characters, you put the nod back. It explains everything, and you know why people were so annoyed about the change of, right. of voice actor. It makes no sense not to do it. Through on it, right? Yeah, and, yeah, and it's, because as soon as you start the game, yeah, like Ishmael has the exact same voice as you. It's just. It just seems like a very odd way of going about things. What's interesting is that when I think of the real ending that we, well, okay, how should, the real ending that we know to now to be the real ending, chapter 51, mm-hmm. for, some, for whatever reason, when I picture the game as this new total, like what if the game would have been this, I somehow scrub away the Venom thing from my mind, but then that's, that's what I was trying to say earlier, where it's like, in my own head, I, I, I tend to skip that over and be like, oh, that ending never happened, but then it's like, well... No, okay, that does kind of fit in the sense that you hear the tape about Liquid Snake or Eli not being your son. You hear a couple of these other clues, and so, okay, yeah. that was probably planned from the beginning, and then it just still kind of left you hanging. Right. No, the, I mean, that's episode 50, or the, no, the 40, no, is it, no, 45 is quiet. Is it? Or 43 is quiet. 45, 45 is, is true. 45 is 45 is quiet. Is it? Okay. Well, it's, either well, way, no, the it's, one, it's, it's the last tr- quiet episode. Yeah, the quiet. true ending that they had was i mean that was part of it i mean that was i can't imagine that that was not from the start was going to be there and then that was yeah. going to continue off for the uh episode 51 which was the deleted or the one that never got finished and they added later as like concept art and voice acting and stuff that you guys everybody should watch that on youtube if you haven't seen it already just because that i mean it helps that that would have been the Metal Gear moment of the game if they the would have badass it. concept art there has literally that ever would been. Have, yeah I mean that what would a have climax satisfied, that would have been right that would have satisfied so many issues uh, I had with it it still wouldn't have been Big Boss because it's like that's the story and like even if they had omitted like the true ending thing where like you see the that you find out that you're not 
Big Boss. So, like, if they were trying to prove that he was Big Boss, he'd still have all of those big scars and the metal chunk in his head. And, like, that's not... That doesn't follow with any other appearances he's ever had. Mm, so it's true. like they, they'd have to explain that away somehow. And, and, like, to me, Big Boss is not the kind of guy who would get plastic surgery because he's way too sentimental. And he'd wear all of his scars proudly. Yeah. So... It's just like there's no. It just really felt like they backed themselves into a corner. And even from a like a technical perspective, that final fight would have been amazing because you know that if Kojima had been allowed to do that the way he would want to do it, mm-hmm. it would legitimately be your soldiers from your base, not like a hundred copy pasted soldiers just occupy that space. Like mm-hmm. I have, I have no doubt in my mind that they would have taken the character models that you had accrued over the course of the game up to a certain limit, maybe 50 or 100, and then just dropped them into the battlefield. Right, yeah. And mm-hmm. That's what they even said, that you could call in your helicopters for, like, attack waves and stuff against a Lanthropus and, like, yeah. all this crazy stuff. Like, that would have been the best... Like, I mean, that would have been so awesome, and then that would have... I would have been a lot happier if that had gone through <laughs> at the end of it, but for me, Metal Gear Solid Five, probably... God, I don't even know where I would rate it in the franchise above i mean in terms of gameplay it's easily the best i mean if you're not if you're not being overly attached to the novelty of the original ones right but i mean for mechanics it's the best but story i'd put it at the bottom it just was character development was terrible in that compared to the other ones i mean they're really it was there was nothing there (laughs) yeah that's why i mean that's why snake didn't change no well even for quiet they didn't do much even when they talked about volgan being in there they didn't really go into that much they just kind of left it the tapes did go into a lot of really good stuff about certain people but half the time it was like all ancillary yeah and half the times they kept repeating themselves like you'd listen to like five tapes in a row and every like first 30 seconds (laughs) they'd keep repeating the same thing and it's just like Oh, yeah, like so I weird. was, I'm, I'm thinking about that that rating question. It's like, I completely agree that story, it's bottom, and then gameplay, like used in in, in objective metrics, it would be at the top, and, and like probably f- for me, just even the experience of it is probably the top. I guess in ter- like for experience, it's like what I what I put it above, just like as an overall package above portable ops, definitely. What I put it above Peace Walker. Definitely, but I'm Peace Walker didn't speak to me. I know a lot of people loved it. It didn't really. Yeah, it wasn't that good. Ring my bells. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I then, liked it a lot. I'm the minority. I mean, I did like. you yeah, did you play it on a portable platform when it came out? Did you yeah. play it on PSP? So that's that'd be a difference because I didn't play it on PSP when a it came story, out. I played it on PS3 version, so it's totally different. Okay. Experience. A funny story with that is, um, I played like 99 percent of the game on portable the one thing i didn't finish on portable before going to ps3 was the fight against mel gear zeke with pause piloting mm, like the it. end <laughs> right yeah, yeah. basically yeah, that's that's the, that is the very end um the, so i i went i was having trouble with it on portable um and then i transferred it i guess is the term over onto the ps3 hd collection and then that wasn't. I was actually doing worse on that, so I went back to play on PSP and ended up beating it on the PSP just because I had so much muscle memory using the face buttons as the yeah. second game. Yeah, and that's actually that's Super a really weird. that's not an easy fight. That's one of the harder ones in all of Metal Gear, really. Yes, because they just yeah. don't give you anything to use. Like <laughs> it's you have no 
no cover for anything in the missile yeah, thing. You have you to have wait to be for, on... for like 20 minutes every time. Yeah. You have to be on top of your stuff and just yeah. be like constantly moving and being aware of where your enemy is, where Zeke is and whatnot. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So I think that's probably where, where it lies for me personally is, is above portable ops and above peace Walker. Um, in terms of the core titles. Yeah. I don't, I don't really think it would beat out any of them. I know I'm, I'm really odd in this respect, but I played snake eater all the way through really, really late. And like, that because of that the experience of snake eater was a little deflating for me personally because i i just like i knew it already or at least i'd been hearing about it for like 10 years before i finally got around to playing through it so i recognize it as being an amazing game but it just like it it wasn't like this super impactful thing for me playing it like it was mm-hmm. probably the least memorable of the four for that reason um, really see two is the least memorable to me because i played i played through four was the first metal gear solid i ever played and that was one of my first PlayStation 3 games, because I just needed a I needed a PS3 game for my system because I didn't have many, and I saw that was getting awesome scores, so I was like, "Oh, I'll try this out." Huh. And it I'm... was like the best thing I've ever played in my life. Like that was like <laughs> the most impactful, like amazing thing that I've, that's ever happened to me. Like, that was the my ending first was oh my god! Too. The ending is the best ending of any game I've ever played for me. I think I yeah I grew I grew up playing one quite a bit on like demo discs yeah. and my cousin had a copy so I was really young but yeah I never played two or three and so I came back to the series like a decade later to play four and then kind of caught up with them but yeah I beat two a couple times before I eventually got around to finishing three it was one of those the things where I've I've played the opening chapter of three like a dozen times whether I was like renting the game or something but yeah so I kind of have to remove that personal timeline out of it when i'm rating it and probably say yeah the phantom pain is is the weakest of the of the five for me even though mm-hmm. because of where it fell in my life snake eater didn't make a huge impact on me yeah because i played i played four and then i did one two three and then played four again and then that's I, so then i went through it that way i like i mean three was three is second best so I, my list would probably be I know some people just like love two to death, and I don't understand it at all. <laughs> so like I, my list for these core games, it would be four, three, one, two, five for story. For gameplay, five would be. Uh, I'd probably st- I'd still probably put four above, just because I love that. I love how the gameplay like kind of works itself with the story like that. I think it does that way better than five does. Five's just gameplay is just good, but it doesn't really add. It doesn't add to the story. It's just good on its own. So. <laughs> well, I think I'm the only one who actually played them in order. <laughs> well, in order of release, rather. I think I got them all in the first week of release. But for me, it goes one, three. You two. got one in the first week of release when you were like seven. Um, excuse me, I was eight. You <laughs> <laughs> were a mature eight-year-old. I was. Well, when was it? Like ninety-eight or ninety-nine? Ninety-nine was it? No, I think it was ninety-nine. Okay, I would have been either nine or eight. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, one, three, two, and four are probably same, and then just underneath, but not by much, is probably five. <laughs> I kind of, I don't know. Two is a game. It's like a fine wine. I kind of go back and then appreciate more aspects to it and it's, the, yeah. it's probably, probably the one I've studied the most like I've read up on and there's a lot of incredible like weird postmodern takes on the game and what Kojima was trying to do at the time and stuff 
another really interesting video so it made me appreciate it a lot more than I did on my initial playthroughs because I kind of just took it as what it was and tried to piece together myself like all the story myself but I think it's themes are really interesting but in terms of gameplay I'm not really sure I think 5 is still his best gameplay I think some of it's kind of counterproductive to what Metal Gear is mm -hmm. like as we've discussed kind of before not on this podcast but like the Fulton itself is a great tool and it's I like the way you're always working towards something with it you know you can pick up your you know pick up soldiers you can pick up wildlife you can pick up minerals and stuff and you're always getting constant water for doing these things but it kind of negates some of the tension of the missions if you're taking it on a mission mission basis if you go in and it's just tense kind of you have to like you know get a prisoner or get Kojima himself or whatever and then yeah. instead of like trying to go out with them on your back and stuff fireman carrying and like trying to you know get out of the base or whatever you can literally just drop them on the ground filter them up and then run as fast as you can straight out <laughs> yeah. call, the, call the helicopter and then you're gone it kind of re removes a bit of the tension of I'm carrying this vulnerable you know person that yeah. I care for on my on my back and I'm trying to like negotiate all these right. crevices and, you know through this whatever it kind of just made it a bit less impactful but as a gameplay yeah. mechanic itself it was fun but it just didn't help the story which is already trudging along and yeah. not not being much of anything there's another thing I think going along with that is that I I was really turned off by the idea of buddies in Metal Gear Solid, like when it first happened, I was like, did not want that at all. And then it got to the point where you just become almost dependent on them. And it takes away like the whole aspect of Metal Gear in that way, in terms of like the, te like you're saying, the tension and trying to infiltrate places on your own and try to be, be alert of everything around you. And it's just like, I'm just going to send either have D Dog with me or send Quiet up and she'll find everybody for me. And I don't have to worry about finding them or where they are. And, because I already know where everything is, and it was yeah. just like that was like that's that was it was a weird thing, and that was kind of going off of like you, uh, you said that like Adam said that he has not finished or wasn't able to unlock Quiet's final mission, but he knows what happens with that, and after after that's done, she leaves, and it just like once she left, I just did not want to play Metal Gear anymore because I got so used to having her around. And she was the buddy that I spent all my time with and all my time, like, making stuff for. And then she was just gone. And I was like, well, now my reason God to play is gone. It. And it was just, like, this weird... This is a kid just, like, thinking about that, again, retrospectively, just, like, how... That's just, like, so not like Metal Gear in any way. Where you have buddies where you can just kind of really just lean on them and not have to be, like, the badass you're supposed to be. But maybe that's because Big Boss isn't actually Big Boss. And he needs yeah. some help. <laughs> it's Venom, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think it's totally like that yeah, when I I it's the best to me it's the best gameplay in the sense of like the the objective terms that it is, kind of separated from the Metal Gear mythology, but you're you're both yeah. right that like it's totally different experiences. So it's like, yeah, the tension, the linearity, the things being structured around forcing you to like solve a puzzle almost with the places you hide and and the and the, the times at which you move. Like that's very much lost. It, it, and, and yeah, in favor of an experience that's much more open-ended. I still felt like um I still felt like a badass in moments where I was engineering a plan and like I would, you know, be pinned down by like vehicles around me out in the field or I would be like trying to escape with those children out the back of that river 
and, and I, and I execute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't run. I that, I that <laughs> yeah, fifteen times to try to get the the S rank on it, like get out with those children without being spotted. That was that was just um, treacherous to say the least. But um, yeah, I still I still felt like a badass in those moments because of the choice that was available to me. And when you execute on those choices and and have a successful mission or get an A rank and an S rank, that felt badass. But it's a different kind of badass than yeah. the game designers put a puzzle in your path or you know a treacherous environment or a linear environment with security devices and you figure out the solution to that yeah. so both in the sense of how you feel like a badass and totally in the sense of how you even just play the game on a very basic level they're very very different right like a lot of a lot of thought was obviously put into the level designs but it's so radically different from what we know metal gear to be that it yeah. almost feels like there was no thought put into it at all because it's just like an open area for the most part but it's just like, but I mean, like once you learn the minutia of the game and figuring out theirs, you realize all these different aspects or angles you can go in from, and you can approach in different ways and know how to use cover and stuff. But it's, yeah, it's just like it move, it keep it, it transformed itself so much that it's hard to equate it to any of the other games in the series. So, and these, but you know, Ernest, you've been a little quiet thus far. We've been talking over you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, he's muted us. He's just humming. I don't even know what. What? What? Oh, <laughs> Who? What was the t- oh, right, right. I guess I can. We're say talking my, about Metal Gear Solid Five. Right. I guess Dude. I can rank my favorites. Um, I'm that's gonna true. ignore. We off a little bit. Oh yeah, right. that's right. Um, I'm gonna ignore the spinoffs. I don't want to. Right. I'm just. Ca- I'm only counting yeah. the core. Well, five, right. let's say. Although if you ignore the spinoffs, you're ignoring Acid and Acid 2. And that's not really Can fair. we... <laughs> yeah, two. Uh, uh, for me, it would be three, four, one, five, two. Yeah. From best to worst? Okay. From best to worst, yeah. Okay. And clearly we're not saying worst as in, like, awful. It's like... Right, right. I still, yeah. I still liked parts two. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I loved playing every, every Metal Gear game. I loved playing them. Right. But it's just like there's, there's gonna you have be different expectations yeah. Or, yeah. for a game for a franchise that's so huge and prominent on such for and has been so well crafted in the past. You have a different level of expectation for the new games that come out for it. You know the really the thing I really hated about two, and this is like the only thing I hated about two. I actually like love the game overall. Is the is the cartoon graphics that yeah. sucked? The visual style I could not get into. Good God, that was awful. And like when you go from two to three, you can if you pay really close attention to three's like faces and animations, you can just barely see the skeleton of two's engine. I mean, thankfully they went so far in the other direction, like lifelike. Uh, facial mm-hmm. features and 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 you know skin and stuff like that, but like, man, two was a strange looking game. Right. That's it's that's mainly the thing that bothers me about it is that, and part of it is because I think Adam's at an advantage there from uh, the rest of us because he got he played it in order, so he yeah. got to see the natural evolution of it where that's the what was there. Was real. Yeah. So I mean, like, <laughs> but like, if you're like for me having to go back through them, even if you start at one, you're accepting that. It's gonna be different, obviously, visually. Yeah, and even when so you set like, that about two, it still it's looks just, weird. It still look, yeah, it's it just part, looks. Yeah, Ran, random fact, actually, um, what actor was Solid Snake's face modeled on in the original game? When I say original, I mean solid, not the uh, uh, Kurt Russell, right? No, 
It's a very odd one. I'll give you his body's model. Walken? Yeah, <laughs> and his body, his body's modeled on uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. See, that's just a weird question though, because like his face isn't really modeled after anything. Yeah, there's no real lines. face there. It's just like a shaded pixel that's supposed to be a mouth, and like another dark pixel for right. his eyes. If he adopted Walken's voice, that would have been way better. I think one of the one of the Metal Gears, maybe it's the older ones. The pixel art was based on Christopher Walken, specifically his role in Deer uh, Deer Hunter. Was it? Great film, great film. Yeah, one of my favorites. Okay, well, I learned something. I didn't yeah. know that Chris was, was in a movie called Deer Hunter. <laughs> That's news <laughs> to me. Yeah, that was one of his early films, and he won an Oscar for that. And then after that, he became the walk-in we know and love. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd say the thing that uh, probably the most upsetting thing to me playing through it, just in terms of story, was the lack of resolution there was for quiet mainly or the lack of like interest in her character because she was clearly the most interesting character to out of like the entire game and then yeah. she just like up and left at the end which was so uh, such a strange arbitrary reason that was one thing i was like getting mad at her when she was talking because she started speaking English and she wasn't going to say anything in English because of the parasite English strain virus that she had in her throat. So, But then it was said later on, or before that, or there was a part either in the tape or in a different scene where saying, like, if you just say a few words, it's not going to do anything. It has to be repeated exposure to that sound profile that will allow it to infest other people or infect other people. And she like keeps saying these words that like she keeps saying things when she doesn't have to like she keeps saying like hurry up it's like clearly he knows he should hurry like Pequod's not gonna slack off when it's big boss on the line or who he thinks is big boss and it's like she keeps saying so many extra words where it's like well now you fucking infected him because you kept talking (laughs) for no reason and it was just like and then she decided to leave because she was worried about infecting him. And it's like, well, if you were going to infect him, you already would have done it. You should have stopped. Ta- you, you just go back to not talking after that. And it's just, I let's not forget the rain scene as well. <sighs> yeah, yeah. Okay. That so was that was weird. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Uh, I got a, a quiet forced visit. romance. Anybody? Right. <laughs> yeah. For there sure. was supposed to be a thing where you could shower with her too, and that never happened for me. Like I had one hundred percent. In like, Wait, really? Yeah, there you're supposed yeah, to, oh, there was like a secret thing where you could like shower with her, and there was I, like there you could never reach her because she was in her cell all the time. I think it was something to huh. do with if you literally don't shower for a very very long yeah. time. Yeah, well, there's another Easter egg where Ocelot just like hits you with a pail of water, and I really yeah. wanted that to happen, and it never did. So now the enemies can smell you and stuff. <laughs> Do you guys remember when like Quiet's character model was first revealed and everyone was upset because it was more yep. Kojima victimizing women and then he came back and said, "Oh, you're going to eat your words. You you I can't believe you would say these things about her. Once you see the story, once you see what we're yeah. doing in the story, you'll take back everything you said." <clears throat> and I got to be honest with you, even after playing the game and and knowing that most asinine of explanations like it, it's it's still just a. It, I wouldn't use the word gross because like I don't find that thing gross, but it's unnecessary. It's totally unnecessary. I was it. waiting for a better, a deeper explanation off of that. 
I mean, it made a lot of sense, but then they brought in Code Talker, who had the exact same thing, and he was wearing That's clothes true. all the time. So it's like, <laughs> true. well, you just completely contradicted yourself here. Because yeah, it was like, because when it first happened, I was like, oh my God, they actually have an explanation for it. And then, like, well, I was now, like see, waiting Kojima for Kojima would continue. step in here and say, oh, it's because the, the females need less clothes. Yeah. They breathing. Which was kind of funny. Like, I was going to, I, I, uh, built her final outfit which is like her the what she her get up that she wears at the very first scene that she's in where she's like trying to assassinate you and i had her wear it and i was like that just looks so wrong now like at this point like it just looks so weird like i just had to change her back to her normal clothes because i just left it to that the whole time yeah it looked a little weird once i put that on but like i would have just so much rather she had been in that get up from the very beginning because yeah it was Mm -hmm. i don't know it's one of those things where where kojima's perviness just kind of like more so than any other game where you've got camera angles that hover on somebody's boobs or kind of bounce around in the camera like it was it was really cranked up here right but i mean at the same right it could have been like it's i mean clearly the actress was the one who was involved doing it and she didn't care about this at all so i mean like she was all for that so i mean that's that's the one argument that i feel like it's lost all the time too is just like maybe she was supposed to be a character who's didn't like she was just a killer and she knew what her job was, and she didn't care what anybody else thought, and she was proud of her body. Because there were definitely times where she was, like, purposefully, like, walking away to, like, distract people and just be like, huh, you suck, you looked, <laughs> and then just walked off. And it's just, like, that's the one thing is, like, not to say that this is a perfect demonstration of that or this is exactly what that is, but I always get tired of those arguments when they keep going where it's, like, maybe it is just somebody who's really proud and confident in their body. Because there's a lot of times where men are walking around without any shirts on or hardly any clothing on, too, and nobody bats an eye at that. So it's there like, is. Yeah, that may like, It's just a yeah. Like that's know, a deeper still... conversation for later. But it was but going back to the story reasoning for why that she should why she was wearing what she was. It was just like it got to the point where it was like I thought for sure they were gonna dive into this huge explanation to be this really cool thing or like they were gonna have these awesome connections between the end from three the character of the end not the end of the game the sniper the old sniper who had the photosynthesis ability oh yeah and then mm. basically they're just like well we don't know why he had that that's why code talker was studying his body parts yeah, also, and then what he the got hell? his he had, he had a full get up too like a full like his clothing was even heavier than code talkers because he had like a big bulky like right but camouflage that's like, jacket and he stuff. developed the parasite from or he no he he studied his uh the end's body parts like the remains that he had and he was studying it to further his uh, progress with the parasites Mm. and then they just like kind of went on from there they're like we don't know why he could do the things he did we were just trying to figure it out and then the, yeah, I, I guess mean, it gives context to the entire Cobra unit, but it doesn't dwell like it doesn't. doesn't yeah, it doesn't expand on it. Dive into yeah, it. Just so gives like, you a very which is brief. like, yeah, it's like, well, that's fine because they didn't explain any of that in that game, and that's what that game was. Like it was this almost kind of like surreal kind of experience where it's like crazy shits happening everywhere. What's going guy on? Guy doing backflips with bees. Yeah. So, but then that was my issue. I know I had talked about this before, but it wasn't recorded at the time. But it was the level the the degree to which they try to explain everything in a scientific way in this game is unprecedented in metal gear solid in terms of like the supernatural stuff that they go on yeah but they omit one of the most one of the biggest like the one of their biggest like attention getting things of the entire game 
which was quiet being able to like phase her hands and stuff through the cuffs they didn't explain how that's possible or how like the parasites can just like freely like move on their own like the use be the eyes for code talker and like dance around the the base apart from him and then come back to him magically it what was, was just, the, like, this the parasite thing. obsession in this game like, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just like sitting back reflecting on that because you're totally right like that is like that is just a parasite ability we're kind of meant to take at face mm-hmm. value but then i'm like man right fucking everything but they talk well, about yeah they talk about the ability for like the in, for them going invisible like there's a part there's a scene where quiet first comes in and she first arrives on the chopper and she lands on the base and she goes invisible and you the people they find her with the infrared goggles she doesn't disappear and they explain that in the tape saying that it's basically the the parasites are able to react to the pigments around them and be able to turn somebody in for better or less or more or less invisible so it's like they don't disappear so they're not like teleporting or anything right, like so that it's just like they have camouflage yes. they built in camouflage because of the parasites yeah that does not explain them being able to just like freely morph their bodies in whatever way or like to make something pass through them which is what she does like that they completely omit that and that was like that just drove me insane it's like you don't take it to this level of seriousness and it's trying to explain every aspect of it and leave that out like either just explain it all the way through or don't and just leave and it up to imagination or say like you can't understand this because it's so much going on but and if 51 had been included like formally then we probably would never have known either why psychomantis could just remove the um parasites from yeah. liquid snake that was pretty crazy or Eli like, even this time. you know when he just puts his hand over his throat takes it out and then just pretty much rise that was one thing that confused that confused me but i did find just a bit peculiar just psychomantis in general in this game granted will will be my knowledge center here for the tapes because i haven't <laughs> listened to any of them really but it just it just seemed very like, like psychomantis is one of my favorite characters sure. from number yeah. one <clears throat> but it just seems really weird in this game and I need to go back to the tapes as well for yeah. Volgan just to understand. I know they kind of gloss over how, you know, lust for revenge and stuff is yeah. kind of you know made. I'm really, him. I'm really glad you're bringing this up right now, Adam, because I was kind of waiting for a, a point to talk about Psychomantis and this exact thing, because um, it was it was something Will mentioned about how the game, some some probably something along the lines of how it didn't explain quiet morphing her hands, and this seemed like an example where. Well, maybe it was our previous thing about Big Boss, but it was something where we're referencing something that comes later in the series. So Psychomantis is this character as a child, um, and I don't, I mean, maybe it makes lore sense that he's in Africa at the same time as them. Like, I'd have to go and read the wikis and stuff, but I'm sure it does. But then it's like, okay, you recognize him from Metal Gear Solid 1, but then they're like, what do you, what do you like mean? Adding, from, what do you mean in Africa? I'm trying to think of what you're. I only mean when that he, as when he first it, starts or when he's just like involved with Cypher? Well, uh,. As 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 a child, like just the fact that he was in that same geographic location. Oh, see, he as, was he was being in the tapes. They talk about that where he's he's taken. Oh yeah, They yeah, figure right. they find him and they realize like they're like transporting him to a Russian facility in the right yeah. as that plane is going by. A big uh, Venom wakes up or Big Boss wakes up. One I can't remember what they say. Big Boss wakes up, but who knows which one they're talking about at this point? Because apparently they both wake up at the same time. But he True. reacts to the the rage or whatever that's happened there, and then his powers awaken. At that yeah, time. so the rage thing is is what um, I wouldn't say it bothers me, but it's just something I noticed because like his ability to channel um, 
rather to receive Volgan's emotions and then channel it back to Volgan in like a material way as in bursting in flame and giving him all these powers, which is what Adam was talking about. That is something that he definitely never had in Metal Gear Solid 1 to the point of like he never he never embodies or possesses another one of the another one of um the Fox units, you know, boss members, the Fox units leaders. He never right. like channels like he possesses Meryl, sure, but never like you know, changes the material makeup of their body and like does this crazy. So it's almost like that's all I'm saying is that it's a little incongruous where he seemed to have stronger abilities as a kid or more abilities. And I mean, you could just yeah, he's far like, more of a threat in this. Yeah, game. which which I thought was well, he had he, he wasn't really a threat. Had, he had more potential to be a threat in this game sure. from his power, but he just yeah. was more like interested in seeing what was yeah, happening. Yeah, just what the feeling was. right. I thought it was weird that they because they could have very easily just had it be the psychomantis we recognize doing the telepathic manipulation, <laughs> make you your controller shake on the ground. Yeah, or just you know, it's like they but they actively introduced something that contradicts what we know his powers are later, like. Yeah. Wait, he couldn't do that. So why why did you even bother giving him that power here? No, it's like, always I mean, the tricky things with sequels. Because I mean, true. Uh, the the Star Wars prequels where R two D two is like flying around. <laughs> it's like, why, why wasn't he? Able to do that? I wasn't doing that later. Yeah, right. that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it could have been, it could could have changed the point. That I mean, there's so so much enough time has passed there that you could make a number of things feasible. Yeah, maybe or, you, or you could just say that he just didn't want to use those that day. <laughs> and then <laughs> Big Boss, like, out, like Snake outsmarted him before he got the chance to light him on fire or something like that. So, But the Volgan thing I did think was underdeveloped. Um, it was so, uh, yeah. And then yeah, his body definitely. just sat at your base. And I was like, okay, what's going to happen? Yeah, I was like, okay, just lays there. Um, this approach to the storytelling, because I do think the Phantom Pain, fitting with the title, like the title is is literally another one of these. The entire game was really a series of red herrings to me, and it all ties back to the the subtitle being the Phantom Pain, a pain, or in this case, a story element you're not entirely sure of, and kind of seems one way, but is actually another way. Right. Like that applies to to Volgan's body, to Psychomantis, to Eli, to Venom Snake, to to, to all these different things. Right. I think what what the risk is, and they probably did overstep their bounds, is eventually the the the, the viewer or the player just gets sick of the red herrings. Like you just, yeah. it, it goes from being clever with like two or three of them to feeling like you're you're being played. And well, like then they, they get obvious. They stop being red herrings. They just yeah. become annoyances, like you're saying. Yeah, like you stop thinking like. Okay, this is a trick. Where's the real thing? Like when they start happening that right. often, it's like, oh, yeah, oh, God. true. It's so just there's so many things that were weird. But actually, I want to go before I forget about it, since we're talking about, uh, we're that since we talked about Volgan, I've thought about the his body being in the quarantine area. You mentioned this briefly when we we're talking about it before, Kyle. But the the mission to go in to the quarantine facility where this uh, new strain of the var- the parasite got mutated or whatever and started uh, affecting yeah. everybody there and then you had to go sent in on there so that mission <laughs> that yeah so let's see so what well I, let's start with Ernest because he's we've been haven't allowed him to talk as much so what did when you got to play through that mission like how did how what did you think of that mission overall I should just say which mission sorry <laughs> the the mission where you're on the quarantine zone and you had to go in there and oh, eliminate right. your crewmen. Um, 
it didn't for me it didn't have as much resonance as i think was intended um Mm-hmm. I just wasn't I just wasn't attached you know there's no there's no connection really with those troops you know they aren't characters that right. you see cutscenes with or you know if it was hey you have to kill all your buddies <laughs> that would have been yeah quiet really crazy D-dog. yeah <laughs> that would have been insane I would have yeah. been crying if that was the case and I doesn't take much to get you crying, Ernest. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would have been a lot more distressful. Um, I just kind of maybe maybe I was just in a killer mode at that point, but yeah. I just kind of just went through, <laughs> just not hesitating, just right. yep. Die. I was in the same. Right. I was the same way when I went through that. <laughs> so just like know. let's get this, let's get this all cleaned up. Come on, let's keep the story going. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I thought it. I thought it worked on one level and failed on another. I agree that it. I agree that it failed in the sense that I didn't have super strong emotions for those people, and I was pretty much able to walk through pulling the trigger without much hesitation. But on the flip side of that coin, it, it worked for me only on the level that like it, it. It helped serve the big boss descent into madness plotline that was going on at that point in the game and we've already talked about how that didn't really turn out into anything and how those kind of wasted opportunity but in that moment i liked it only because it it was like the kind of ultimate thing of 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 big boss who was just the 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 paranoid leader who has had his face on every poster big boss is watching you and now to the point where in my head from a story perspective big boss is moving through the lab without any problem killing his men and that was unsettling to me less so than the act of actually doing it as the player but just kind of seeing him him get to that point yeah that's like that that totally did not resonate with me at all or that whole i mean that whole mission i was waiting for something really really cool to happen well first i thought they were going to do something really daring and just be like basically doing what since people compared Metal Gear Solid Five so much to TV shows, I thought they were going to do something that a lot of TV shows do, is that every once in a while in their series, they completely change their genre for just, like, an episode. And I thought that's what they were going to do with this, how they set it up. It felt like, it was like mm. okay, this is going to be a horror game for, like, this mission. Horror, and I was yeah, like, like I was like, survival. Yeah, like, thing, yeah. like you, people are going to come out. You have to, like, prevent them from running away. You have to, like, keep make sure you have your wits about you the whole time. And... It's like, no, they're all just kind of hanging out. They're, like, laying there, or they're just kind of standing, or, and then you just have to pop them in the head, and it's like, okay, that's kind of disappointing. And then, But the same thing, like, with killing your troops. It was, like, for Big Boss to do it, it wasn't like, okay, well, either you don't kill them and feel guilty about killing... It's like, is this, like, it just didn't make sense for him to feel guilty about killing them, really, at the time. Because of the, you think of the thousands of people that he's killed in the past, whether or not they were his own people. But do you think of that like he he has the ability to just turn it on and off? And this was a circumstance where it's like if anybody gets out, the entire world is going to die basically because of this infection that's going to get spread. If anybody, there's a potential for that. So it's like clearly, and everybody's already going insane too. So it's like well, there's no hope for them at all, no matter what. And they're less human than they were before you even got in there, so it's just like there was no emotion behind that. Going yeah, I mean, it. and for... I get—I just got upset when Huey was the one who was 
yelling at you for morality <laughs> over the intercom. I just like shut the shut fuck up, up <laughs> Huey. Like I don't care. Like you are like the last person who has the right to just like start badgering him. Like whether it uh, that was that's another thing we can talk about in a minute. Oh, yeah, Huey, Huey. Uh, God, but, what a. Uh, just, <laughs> but yeah, this is like slimy, just <laughs> spineless. But that was another thing that had no resolution to it. Like they, yeah, they wanted I, I it to leave. Was... I'm guessing you just wanted to leave it open ended for the players to interpret how they want. But it was like, come on, you like, you have like Ocelot, who's supposedly like one of the best intel officers in the entire world, and you can't figure out whether or not Huey's like screwing you over. And there's like so many things that are so like so coincidental that it's like that's not coincidence after a while. So it's like it, it's hard to make it think like like the mutated strain in that building was because of some random machinery that Huey submitted to the lab that had no need to be part of the equipment. So it's like well clearly he's the bad guy. So you just did not leave it up to interpretation anymore. But you just don't want to say it. Yeah, so he was mishandled from the beginning of the game. Yeah. I think, like, fair enough if you're going to keep those plot points and those twists in his character, but just how he was perceived and how he was throughout the game, I, it just it kind of just cheapened it, I think. You could could have worked a lot better around the, the idea of deception and how tortured he is, effectively. Yeah. A, a better way. I think, and that kind of brings over the whole overarching issue. Like, my... Uh, I don't want to... Peter and Bush, like, I think it's an incredible game, and I know we've just kind of effectively, for whatever amount of time, been talking the game down, mostly from a story perspective. But like, I think the game is incredible, like, really is good. But the story is by far its weakest point. Its pacing, its delivery, nearly, I think, every aspect of it. I, I didn't mind the ending, but I think every aspect of it, even from a character point of view to an event point of view, is just mishandled and wrong. Yeah. One thing about Huey is that it made me appreciate Otacon uh, more. I was like, wow, good thing yeah. the apple fell quite oh. a ways from the tree. Otacon <laughs> yeah. is just, what a great guy. <laughs> what a dude, what a dude. Yeah, I agree, Huey was, was weirdly used, and um, yeah, especially, and, and this is where, to me, it, it, um, it, calls, in, it calls into the lens how, how different they kind of try to be with Metal Gear 5's story in the sense that with... Um, this is this is one of those things like the issue of Huey and his deception specifically is one of those things that bar none would have been explained in every other Metal Gear game. There would have been, for better or worse, one answer: was he bad? Did he did he rat them out to NATO or or Cipher or whatever, or did he not? And in this game, they didn't. If I'm putting myself in the developer's shoes or Kojima's shoes, maybe I give him the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, maybe they didn't want to give us the answer because they wanted to make. The player feel just as paranoid as Big Boss and Ocelot were feeling in that moment. But even if that is your goal, it's so different than what Metal Gear fans have been trained to expect from the game. And like that does bring that actually that channel that thread goes all the way to the ending where it turns out your metaphorically Big Boss like this this same thing feeds into that if you want to look at it that way. Huey's uh, unresolution, but even though that aspect kind of struck an emotional chord with me, a sentimental chord with me, I, I do like, it's just, it's so stark different from the rest of the games. And it's very like, like that, like, and that's kind of, um, that's kind of a turnoff. That's, I guess that's kind of unsettling that they decided to carry that thread of uncertainty and lack of resolution throughout the entire game because it's so different than what they've been doing yeah. before. It just felt like they didn't commit to anything with him. 
which was what bothered me the most is like you want to make him a spineless coward who betrays all of his friends all the time just like make him that character don't keep saying like well we don't know we think we know but yeah. we don't know, so we're just going to keep you here for a while. And you don't know, so keep playing. Right, and then, and then they just get notice. rid of him, and then like, well, you still don't know. And then it's just like, well, screw you. I thought he had a lot less, like, a lot less uh, screen time, I guess I'll say, than I expected. Yeah, totally you know, agree. I thought he was going to be a more pivotal. Well, that was the thing, you know, like character and mechanically player. as a as is part of the game. He was extremely mishandled. Because yeah. he had, he was, there was that section in the base where you could go and see him build battle gear, but you couldn't interact with him at all, and all he would do is just kind of wave, and then he'd go back to what he's tinkering on, and there were only two scenes I ever saw where they were, like, putting it together that lasted, like, ten seconds, and then yeah. that blip kept staying on your damn map, and then, yeah, that was and then he just, like, then when he left my game, then that whole thing just, like, disappeared, and it's like, <laughs> well, what was the point of all that? You kept forcing me to like try to go back there every time because this icon was always present, indicating right. that something was there for me to do, and it never was. And it just like, just the strangest thing. I did not understand that at all. So we are we le- are we led to believe then that because Hugh like you did drop my memory there, Huey's story does end with him getting pushed away from Mother Base on the raft. Yeah. Um. From that point on, kind of like with Big Boss, we have this big gaping hole. But we do know that he at least made it back to safety, made it back to America, and lived with his son, Otacon, and their stepmother for some amount of time. Because then that leads into Otacon and Emma and what happened to them as kids with his stepmother mm-hmm. seducing him and what else not. So, okay. So, yeah, I was just I was just musing in my head about what we know about Huey that came after at that point in the game. Yeah. But, Which that's like, yeah. how did he make it back to some land on a tiny little raft in like the very center of the ocean somewhere <laughs> like and he's got he's crippled from the waist down he can't yeah. like how do you how do you survive saved that? Him. Like, i don't know that's that's <laughs> the thing is like maybe he yeah maybe that's what happened and that's how otacon got recruited into the stuff that he did or maybe eli yeah. got hurt maybe yeah. said i mean that's other things that they could do is like so I, yeah i mean that would be more interesting to make sense for that but there's just like a lot of but it's left up to interpretation. Which yeah, is just, I mean that that part's not fine. It was just like not committing to the story that they presented. They didn't give any kind of indication. Like I don't care what happens after he left because you mm-hmm. can like that's that's for something else or like that 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 whole entire span of time has not been explained. So it could be anything, and that's completely open to interpretation for a lot of people. But you're like crafting everything else around what's happening. And you never explain or commit to anything that this guy did or what he said or anything. And it's just like, it was just a strange thing where it's like, the scenes were pretty cool. Like the interrogation scenes with Ocelot and stuff. Yeah. But it was mm-hmm. like, I just, the, the, even the tapes with Otacon, they were just so, they went back and forth so often when he was explaining <laughs> things. It's like, well, clearly yeah, sometimes he's just he would like, have a really good answer, and other times you just go, "Oh, uh, 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 boss, yeah. I'm on your side." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was oddly good. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, that was very good. So um, that was pretty. Yeah, it was just such a strange choice of thing. But so I kind of want to. I thought the the topic, uh, the potential topic raised at the beginning, was an interesting one. How the critical reception 
may have been fueled when sure. all reviews were written. Well, specifically from the review event, I yeah, think. the review event like, went to like 50 hours or so people yeah. got into it. So. Yeah, the review event was, was its own thing, and then everyone who got the game later, like us at PSU, were kind of in a different boat. But, um, yeah, I, if I, I'd like to kind of give my initial answer to, to your question about how many reviewers do I think finished the game, and... I'm going to say that I have every faith that some of them did, but certainly not all of them. Like, there's no way that yeah. all of them did. So that leaves me in a place of maybe, okay, if I'm just putting an assumption in my head in terms of that review event, maybe it was 50-50, you know? Or maybe so even I'd worse. I'd say like, way less. I'd say only like a handful of people really finished the game, like fully. Because part of on it is the time, but... On that point, just quickly, I, I've been kind of reflecting on finishing the game, and I'm not sure, since I did an inordinate amount of side-ups and diluted the story even more than it already was. I'm wondering how my experience, having done so, would differ from the review event where you know, I, I imagine you effectively just have to forego side-ups and straight into the story and do yeah. as much of it as you can. So it makes it more tightly compact and it maybe gives you an artificial... Right. I do think you know, I read a review. I do think I read a review that explicitly said we did finish the game and it took us about forty hours. So we can maybe use that as a metric for in terms of if you just blitz the story, if you do nothing else, you but can then finish. But then you then you would hours. not be able to do this quiet's mission mission presumably then. Well, true. So, so you maybe, would miss out that mm, whole section. So would you really have finished the game at that point? Well, I missed it, yeah, <laughs> and I yeah, put like eighty hours into it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That was the other thing. It's just like, why would you omit certain like really key things for arbitrary reasons? That like, is have really are really random requirements to that leave half of your player base, if not more, to completely miss out on yeah. one of your supposedly pivotal points in the entire game. The side ops thing was weird too towards the end because like right around when they introduced those hard versions of previous missions as like whatever forty seven, forty eight, whatever those numbers were, yeah. like that to me. That to me is weird from a game design perspective. Yeah. So if I put myself in the developer's shoes, it's like, okay, I get what you're doing in the back end of the game, which is that you're counting the number of missions I'm doing, including side ops, and then you're placing checkpoints for new story missions to reveal themselves. And that happens frequently. They're like, yeah, boss, we need time to research this, so we'll get back to you soon. And that's always fine because there was a ton of side ops to do. But then it's like, if that's your plan, have that paced out in such a way that you don't have to add extreme modes of previous missions. Right. Like Make just that the S-rank requirements. Yeah, exactly. Like, have more... Yeah, have that be S-rank requirements within the missions themselves, and then in terms of advancing the story, maybe have the side ops reveal themselves at a better pace so that players can't blitz them and then fall behind. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I think that's the risk. If you, if you do, like, all 150 of the side ops, and then uh. you hit level 45 in the game... You don't. You either have to redo side ops you've already done, like wait for them to reappear, or do those hard mode versions, and that's kind of penalizing. So I think they messed up in terms of whether whatever the benchmark was. Is it five side ops and then a new mission becomes available, mm -hmm. or six side ops and a mission becomes available? That maybe could have used a little more play testing, where it was like, well, we don't have to add hard modes to just give you something extra to do. Well, I wish they just communicated that in the first place that you could do side ops instead of the, the hard missions, and then. I think I didn't really like when they did the hard, that. right? And I don't like that they did that. You know, the main way that they present you advancing the story is doing those hard versions of missions, because one, it it clearly show tells the player, at least I noticed that hey, this is where we stopped making the game. 
you know, it definitely was a clear indicator of, hey, we're we're done. Mm-hmm. We're done with. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> we're done. We're we're done, we're done with uh, development. Yeah. Um, and also the annoying part was that they still played all the cutscenes, and played it out like, oh, you don't know what happens, even though you already played through this. You know what happens. You know what's going on. Why do I have to watch this cutscene again? Just let me mm-hmm. replay the mission. Not yeah. only that, but they were really, really hard. Like I can see them. Oh yeah. Guilty on the- like one or two things, but it's like, yeah, you like. <laughs> God, the difficulty on those was so cranked up. More the so one I stopped at was the one I stopped at was the one where you fight. Um, what is it? Yeah, the the helicopter's down. You've got Code Talker there. Oh and you're God, fighting the that, skulls. that normal story mission was horrible. It was already hard, and then they had it on the super hard difficulty, <sighs> and that's where I I, stopped. I haven't even attempted it yet. The only <laughs> one I've ever done, the only one I've done, is the quiet, extreme one. That's that's yeah. the only extreme mission I even bothered to try because I was trying to get her back. Which that was a coolest Easter egg too when you fight her in the extreme mode, and she's a sniper wolf. After you beat her, she's dressed as sniper wolf and has blonde hair. Oh, I didn't know the first that. game. Yeah. On the back of that, what kind of annoys me as well is I would love to, again, back onto this betrayal of not seeing actual big boss's story. I'd like to see something that mirrors how we got to see Eli but beat solid instead and I think we're told as well in, in, the, in the older Metal Gears that Big Boss raised Sniper Wolf as a child and mm. this would have tied in age wise to be that as well so yeah. it's kind of it's annoying this, like this the time between 1984 up until 1995 when Metal Gear 1 begins just that point that's probably the most one of the most interesting like the most interesting character in the game from in the whole thing for me is Big Boss. Obviously, Kojima thinks so. He's like the, he's he is everything to the to the series. So to be betrayed of the probably most key arc of that character, and never get to see and know and re- and realize what happens in that mm-hmm. period is is probably the most annoying aspect for me. So that's a so that's an interesting point, and I'll I'll add a question to the end of that. So now that the series is said and done, presumably, and we have three games for Solid Snake, we have one, two, and four, and we have... Well, well I wouldn't count, count two as... One. Two as I don't count as Solid. Well, well, he only had, like, two appearances in that entire game. Well, okay, yeah, either way. It fits in it's Eric Kwapliskin, it's not Solid Snake. So you've got Solid Snake... <laughs> well, it's Raiden who's in that. Yeah, and you have Jack course, at that time. So you've got Solid Snake story in, like, the more or less present day, and then you've got Big Boss in Snake Eater, Peace Walker, and the Phantom Pain. I'm gonna say that off. even though true yeah that's true because that's like, like a whole Roy Campbell thing too that's all yeah. backstory even though like Adams you said Big Boss is the serious protagonist there's no question about that because of the way he fits in with everything I'm going to just say that Solid Snake's story was better to me I liked it better if you look it at the it was told better story. yeah <laughs> Big Boss yeah. has way more story to it but Solid Snake is told way better so it's like and it's, for that reason as well I think so that's just, unfortunate because the they could have changed that they could have changed that tide with the Phantom Pain. They could have made it like, all right, well, it's a tough contest, but Big Boss, at the end of the day, serious protagonist, did have the most satisfying arc, and now it's far from that with all things mm-hmm. said and done. Because yeah. that is the thing. As I said, from 1984, to the, it informs everything that we know of the series pretty much. It, like, it informs Solid's, like how Solid grows up, how the the whole project of the three kids, how they grow up, and everything that's informed after that. Every single game that comes after 
matter. Oh, God, that'd be really yeah. awesome. Do you, do you imagine if they like if they actually if Kojima actually did do a game in that time sequence and he pulled like a Naughty Dog and he had you play as like Kid Hater or not Hater Kid Snake, kid snake. but voice by like David Hater would be amazing. But yeah, <laughs> you play you play as like yeah really young Snake as he's like still like growing up or doing like his training and all that kind of stuff for just like a mission. And then you That'd go on to the rest of the yeah, game. Sure. That'd be an interesting thing. Yeah. Well, I feel like yeah. there is still like even though Adam was saying this is that this is the pivotal time between 19, the events that happen, although we don't know what they are between 1984 and 1995, are so pivotal for the the three games that come after, and yet we don't really know what happens in them still. Like we know that they're the pivotal years in the sense that they're very they're world shifting, mm-hmm. but it's still unanswered questions. So, kind of begs the question or asks the question to me. Is there going to be another one? Do we want there to be another one? There's a whole bunch of ways you can you can ask that, or I guess think about that same time period. There isn't uh, going to be another one, not from like not in this way, not in the way that these ones have been or the series has been. If they do another one, it's going to be some kind of random, small, comparatively small thing. I'd say. They might finally do that one where a boss is in World War Two, which they're supposed to make. That'd be good. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't yeah. trust, but yeah, I, I wouldn't know. trust that to Konami by themselves. No. Oh, no. absolutely not. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's why it's there's one. not going to be another one is yeah. because Kojima. This is like Kojima always thought that the, the every Metal Gear was the last one he made because it felt like it was, but then he just made more. But so now every, now they'd actually fired him. Yeah, even though they haven't said that officially, but he's, he's he was fired. Yeah, he's on vacation. No, he got <laughs> fired from Konami, so you know, it's not gonna I, happen. I want him to make unless he does a Kickstarter. <laughs> I want him to finish Silent Hills and then call it something else because obviously he can't call it Silent Hills, but like finish PT with Guillermo del Toro and then just call it you know, like I don't know Pyramid Scheme or some, <laughs> some really funny <laughs> name. <laughs> Based on the Silent Hills lore, Hilly Silent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So dumb. Uh, yeah, that, there's another thing that this is like one of the few times where I like I hate being so negative about this game, but the more I exactly, think about that's the thing. That's the weird. It's a weird thing. Is like I want to really love this game, but the more I think about it, the more disappointed I am with it, and the more things I find at fault. And that's I don't like. It's not like I'm trying to, but it's just like that's what happens. Because like one of the big, the biggest, one of the biggest things that was just really strange for their series and was so disappointing was that there were no iconic boss fights or any really interesting characters. Every character was half baked. Every single character. The the only like real character that you fought was quiet and then she became part of your team but that wasn't even a challenging fight or interest interesting in any way plus you could just drop a box on her head and, and call it a day yeah does, does that so, work for extreme i did airstrike no it doesn't it does <laughs> no. not work on extreme actually she teleports away it was yeah. a come i think the only bot like yeah i totally agree the only boss fight that was a legitimate boss fight that like impressed me and i was like this shit's dope was the Sahelanthropus fight at the end of chapter one? I did also enjoy um, when you're escaping from Sahelanthropus when you first meet him and you have to like hide out in the hills and you're driving the jeep away. Like, oh. not obviously not a boss fight, but still a really cool mission really? for me. I didn't really mm-hmm. find that mission or the boss fight for Sahelanthropus all that impressive. I did find it. I thought it was really cool when uh, Psycho Mantis like showed up and like this this time like slowed way down and focused on him. I was like. 
what is going on? <laughs> and, like freaked yeah. out. Just like randomly fired a rocket right at his face because I was like, oh my god. And I was like, oh okay, <laughs> just got to get rid of him. And then, but the one fight that still sticks with me that I thought was really cool, but it didn't, it do, still doesn't count as a boss fight to me in term, in like the traditional Metal Gear sense, was the one where you had to fight like the three or four uh, skull snipers yeah. when you're trying to get to Code Talker. Like that, I really liked that whole fight. Like that sequence was cool. Like this, like the suspense from it. Like it, that, that was the sniping mission of that Metal Gear game, and that was I really, really liked that. But it still wasn't. There were no tricks to it, or no like no, it mechanics. Was just, can was, you aim better and can you right. aim faster? It's just than like okay, I gotta get to this rock and I gotta pop out really quick and shoot at him. Yeah. And then that was pretty much it. So it the Volgan fight was a little disappointing too. Like the last time you encounter him, when which you is, get his body. Yeah, where it's like where it's just straight. Well, wait, yeah, it was. The, I'm thinking of the one. I'm thinking of the one where you just have to like shoot the water tower and then it like falls on him and the helicopter picks you up. Maybe that's not the last. Oh, time that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But like, but like even that. That's is like, after you go to the the oh, what is that? The devil's house. I can't remember yeah, what they. Yeah, I should know how they say it in the language that it is, but because they say it a billion times to your face <laughs> they do. in the same sentence. Um, but yeah, that was that had all the makings of a classic Metal Gear fight. Like you've got Burning Vulgan, he's yeah. back from Snake Eater, it's shit's going down, but then it's like so blatantly obvious what you have to do to beat him, and then even executing that plan is fairly simple. Wait for him to follow you, mm-hmm. shoot down the water tower, alright, we're go home. So then it's like not there's no mystery, there's no clues to figure out, like right. in so many other Metal Gear fights. So yeah, it had like the it's like they, they looked like Metal Gear fights just in the mm-hmm. visuals and the context, but then the, the execution yeah. of the fights totally fell and short. About that one in particular, there was a really, really dumb thing to that, like, military-wise, military in terms of, like, tactics. Like, you hear Pequod coming, like, calling in, or, like, Miller, or somebody says, like, okay, Chopper's coming to get you out of there right now. And uh, you drop the water tower on him, and I was waiting for Pequod to land... Because they're like, he's coming in. He's going to be there right away. You have yeah. to tell him where to land in that tiny little area. It's like, there's only <laughs> one spot to land. It's like, yeah, just true. do it and pick me up. I was like, you're I expecting me to just like go on my little iDroid while there's a fire demon <laughs> in front of me and just tell you where to go. It's like, no, just go pick him up. Like That's an easily scripted part of the game. It's like, when the, tower, yeah. when the water hits, he gets <laughs> down, that opening yeah. happens, pick him up. Yeah. I had a janky issue where the first time I fell that water tower on him, he just happened to be standing like pretty much at the LZ, and Pequod refused to land because yeah. it's like this thing there. The LZ is hot. We can't land. Yeah, I know it's hot. There's a burning man. Just <laughs> <laughs> land on him or something. I don't know. Bring yeah. a hose. And that's what I was waiting for the whole time was this really big epic fight with Volgan, and it just didn't happen. Like that was such was, a huge was, missed opportunity. No, yeah, there was no, there's no satisfaction with it. It didn't feel like a resolution, really. No, and they just—I like, was waiting was for like an unmasking or something like that to happen and be like, this "Yeah, Volgan." Yeah. It's like, it's like, nah, he's just—it's—it's it's him. Just believe. Or he, yeah, I thought there was <laughs> going to be like either an, an unmasking or Volgan was going to say something. Yeah, even you know, if because that like, would be yeah. the very like traditional Metal Gear way. You know, right. you kill him, and then he says something. And even if he's, like, basically been dead for years, and he's being fueled purely by revenge and anger, yeah. even if you had, like, this, like, half-broken voice just, like, say, like, Snake or something, right as he's about to die, would be like, oh, my God. Like, 
he really God is dead, but he's fueled by that anger, and this is like that would have really changed it. And it's just like, no, he's gone. It's like, okay, why is he still? Why is his body <laughs> still hanging out on my base in a, one of the cells, taking up space? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> isn't he infected with the parasite? Shouldn't we burn his body like the rest of them? Mm, nah. Maybe. Like, yeah, we weren't to see what happened. Yeah, we like Huey, him. He's a Huey cool said set. we should wait and see. Yeah. <laughs> Huey, <laughs> Huey thought it was a good idea to keep it around. <laughs> they just put Vulcan's body on the boat with him and then push, push him out to sea. <laughs> yeah, right as he's going away, you're just like, "Hey, Huey, what?" Just this big body comes flying out and hit him. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, half. I uh. So I, I've kind of been like lingering a little bit on what Adam said a, um, a few minutes back about how he still thought the game was incredible and it was a really great experience to play. And I definitely think that in the course of this conversation, like we've peeled back more layers on things that I agree with or negatives about the game. So I've definitely fallen a bit in, in my opinion of it. I'm not as positive as I was. But even before, yeah, like it wasn't... It wasn't in the game of the year conversation for me. It was at first when I first put the disc in, but then that fell away as the pacing got screwed up. But I, yeah, like if if I just look at the game on its own in a vacuum, I guess the yeah. game and the way gameplay feels, the way shooting feels, how seamlessly calling in supplies and having all these options in the open world and running through camps and how addictive and compulsive it was to to go on these missions and how I ultimately felt like the leader of my own mother base by choosing what to build and then the forward operating bases I felt investment in too. Like I still look back on like just the straight up the 100 hours, although it was probably more like 75 of actual playing. I, I look back on it really favorably. Like it was a really cool, Absolutely. really fun, um, memorable gaming moment in my life, probably in the top, you know, probably top 10, 15, like, gaming weeks, you know, or gaming double weeks, if you look at it in, like, a 14-day stretch of time. Like, it was awesome. I loved my time with the game. But then you step back and realize, yeah, at least what's going on in my head right now is that I can't stand it up next to the other Metal Gear Solids as Metal Gear Solid Five. Like, to me, it almost makes more sense to, in my head, just call this the Phantom Pain and say, mm -hmm. the Phantom Pain was a really great open-world military simulator that put a lot of power in my hands and was an absolute blast to play. But past that, I don't think I can say much more about it, you know? Like, yeah. much more in a positive light. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. It's just, like, it's... That's sort of one of the things, just going back to it, thinking about, like, just the gameplay. It's done really well, and I liked doing it and was obviously got invested in it for a long time. But it's still not... It's, it wasn't one of those things where it's like I, I do this every once in a while when I'm playing a game just like it, this little voice kind of pops into my head is like are, am I actually having fun doing this and there were a number of times when I was playing those missions or just doing like side ops or doing other stuff like that and it was just like I stopped having fun a while ago like wow <laughs> it's just like Will, I'm just doing the mm, routine now like this is well, are you yeah. telling me that it's not amazing come in in a zebra striped helicopter playing aha take on me <laughs> with a rocket launcher <laughs> going well, down see, to fuck shit up see i didn't do, i didn't do any of the uh <laughs> i was well i guess part of it too is that my the final few of it probably would yeah i well i had a uh, rebel yell playing for most of it towards the end there 
Yeah, but um, classic too. Yeah, but, God, uh, the soundtrack was amazing though. Yeah, we, yeah. We soundtrack was awesome for that. Right like that was so cool how that was integrated with the tapes. But uh, the yeah. it was just like one of those things where it's just like going through it and playing it. I was just thinking to myself that there are, I've had more. There are other games out now, like that have come out this year, that I've enjoyed playing more than this one. Just like in terms of actually having a good time with it, it's like this. This is one of those games where it's just like I started getting used. To, I really liked it at the beginning, and then I just got used to the formula, and then I just kept to like doing the same thing over and over, and there was nothing new yeah. that happened. And it was just like the charm on this faded away a long time ago, and now I'm just doing this, but largely because this is one of the only titles that I knew, like new titles around for me to play. That and I it's have. like Metal Gear, and you have to finish and it, it. Yeah, and it's Metal Gear, and I have to go through it. And it was just kind of like it it became more of an obligation towards the end than actually like fun to do. Like there was a stretch where I just stopped playing it for a couple of weeks, and I was like, well, I should just go back to this and finish it. And then it was, it, it's just like that's that's, that's one of the sign. yeah, it's just one of those things where it's just like, and like I said, like I don't want, I, I did not want to be negative about this game in any way at all before it came out. And that's not to say that my expectations were unrealistic of it. It was just like I was really looking forward to more Metal Gear to play. And then it just like that didn't stay fresh the more I played it. Like once it got to the end of chapter one and it had that trailer for chapter two, that was the high point of the entire game to me. Because I was like, oh my god, I can't imagine or wait to see what happens next. And every scene that happened in that trailer was like... Oh, this is how they're presenting it. I was like, oh, this happened already? Oh, that didn't develop as much as I thought. And I was like, okay. So it's like they set they set my expectations really high with that trailer because it was really awesome. And then they just kind of didn't follow up with that as much as I would have hoped. So, I think the trailers mm. maybe gave away too much, too. Yeah, well, it's the same thing that movie trailers today do now. They showed, like, all of the best moments. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like, okay. Including <laughs> some think- moments that weren't in the game that's true and i was actually just thinking about that in my head because like when i think about the promo cycle for this game and how we were seeing you know we saw the initial video of the fiery whale in the sky and and kojima or not even kojima there was that whoever that random dude was that had his head wrapped in bandages like the first very first yeah yeah like the very first screen or their first photo that was taken when it was still moby dick studios Mm -hmm. like that like the build-up for this game has been like three years in the making, which has all the makings of a true Kojima experience. So to a certain point, you can say, okay, Konami cut him off and they weren't able to finish the game in the right way. But there are plenty of other problems, even while Kojima was actively involved in the development, that says to me, what? how did we get to this point? Like, how did Kojima miss all these in- inconsistencies and weird narrative pacing like yeah that's yeah. what's so striking is because like, somebody yeah, as experienced as he is how right, did this is yeah. his poor work so like did i wonder if it's because of the difficulty of him approaching the right. you know approaching the game and making it open world and in this structure that it's not really what he's He's used yeah, to it. Yeah. There were also reports with the whole Konami thing talking about basically how they don't encourage interdepartment communication when they're making games. So maybe yeah. more of that was like maybe more of it was outside of was being made at Konami outside of his, oh, outside of his LA studio. Direct thing. Yeah. yeah. So maybe like parts of it were being developed 
over there, some were in LA, some were like scattered around and they just didn't get to, he didn't get to have his hand in the pot as much as he usually does. And you can probably count some of it up to him, his disillusionment, you know, like, like you don't get to the point he's at now where you're like, like he was basically checked out of the company a couple weeks before the game came out, you know, like that's when some of, I think the negativity started rolling in or well, around Konami specifically because they canceled a bunch of games and were laying off their staff and doing this, that, and the other. So like I could see him, especially with four being such the decisive conclusion that it was like nobody really saw five coming. And like, he always has said, Oh, this is my last one. This is my last one. But like that truly was, I believe going to be his last one and should have been, so I can imagine that, part of it right. being him being disillusioned and like, God, I really don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And now I'm maybe feeling external pressure to make it an open world game. And I don't really know the format that well. And uh, okay, and I, that's just the perfect recipe for him not, I don't want to say not caring, because that sounds like a dig <clears> against him, but just not being the Kojima that that we know, like not as invested. And, and I can't really blame him under those conditions, but it's mm-hmm. still, it's unfortunate. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's such a tough thing. I would say, I mean, after having played through the game, for me, it does not, it's, I feel like it got scored higher than it deserves overall. Yeah. It's just like, that's where I'm at now. I wouldn't think, I I can see why some people did have problems with it. I don't even know if some of those people were, had finished the game at the point when they reviewed it, but. Yeah. I think part of it, it was just so much of a, so much of a shine to the idea of being able to play a new Metal Gear on current systems that people were just so excited in a lot of ways and it's like I like I was like that too at the first 20-30 hours of it was just it was really fun and amazing because everything was new and then it just starts getting old so. yeah I yeah I, I agree I think um, looking back at scores and reviews now the luster has definitely faded and it does call to question to me like how much of this was experienced and also like just to be i mean you know i'm not convinced that if we at all four played this game in the first week of release i don't think we would have necessarily had such thoughtful things to say about it immediately afterwards so there is an element of time here where we have time to reflect and i'm sure well, some i'd say like it. if we were playing just through the story and we got to the ending i still left with a very poor taste in my mouth when I finished the game, and I still had the concerns about the bosses and the character development, all that stuff. Yeah, that still rang with me as soon as I finished. So, yeah, I think I think there's there's that's not the case for everybody. Like, I think there's there's going to be reviewers who just you know you need you need time to be. Um, I shouldn't say insightful because because uh, every review is written from a point of insight, but just time to make sense of your feelings I guess and time to think about those things and I'm not convinced that every reviewer had a sufficient like it was just with the review event especially it was just oh, under sure. such a um, such a such a tight thing but I think like if people were going to go back and retroactively look at their reviews or kind of reform their opinions of the game like and even now as I think back to reading those because some of the things that we see as negatives and I see as negatives can be can be interpretation can go either way like i think like there is a thing like if that venom snake twist really really resonated with someone like even more so than it did for me that's fine and that's their interpretation i don't think so i I give some slack for that or some credit for that but i'd have a really hard time justifying anybody's score being over 
like a nine. Like for me, I think it falls into an eight camp after our conversation here. Because mm-hmm. I look back on the experience as being really positive and there were serious letdowns in the story and pacing characters and whatnot. But to me, the experience was still an eight. And I can give some leeway in the upper direction for people's interpretations and preferences. But mm-hmm. past like a nine, I'm like, okay, if we're in like 9.5, 10 territory, I think you're just ignoring some problems. Yeah. And there are well, some people, yeah. Because that was the thing that, that struck me as well when the initial reviews came out. Because I think wasn't the event pretty much very early August. Like it was quite quite a bit before the actual release. But people calling it one of the best games ever made and stuff. It's just yeah. When you get to that, so no. yeah, <laughs> that surpass that surpasses um, personal interpretation, which is fine because reviews are subjective, and you you should read a review for its author and not you know, the mm-hmm. the site that's behind it. But yeah, at that point when you start to call it the best game ever made or you start to give it a ten, um and you're just being blind you're, to you're, the you're, yeah, you're, you're ignoring your yeah. fault. Like you're ignoring the problems that aren't subjective, the ones that are objective problems. That's yeah. when you start to get ignore those, I think. Yeah. Or or at least forget them or not factor them in, whatever however you want to describe that. Right. Yeah. And I think it's yeah, I mean that we've have been there has been an overtone largely on my side too, I would say. That up being kind of like overwhelmingly negative so far in this discussion on it. But if we were talking about it in the grand scheme of things, like for relating to all other games that are out there, it would still definitely be it's I mean it's it's clearly definitely worth buying. Mm-hmm. Like you definitely get your money's worth in a lot of ways that most games don't give you. So sure. it's like it's definitely worth that, and it's it's worth your time playing. But there's a there are a number of issues that go along with it that do that. I feel like part of it was there was this illusion of Metal Gear having need it just needs to get a ten because it's Metal Gear Solid Five, and we've been waiting for it for what, and it's the last years. one. Yeah, seven years. It's Kojima's swan song for the series, and yeah, it's like all this. And it's just like one of the yeah, and that's no, it's part of it too. It's I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about this next week. Is the uh, kind of it'll be interesting to see the kind of have a discussion uh, on Fallout Four with this kind of thing to see if a lot of it's that similar type of feel or if it really does hold up to the degree it is. I don't think that Metal Gear holds up to the reviews that it initially got. I think it's a it's a very it's a great game. It's a very very well made game. In a lot of respects, but it's got a lot of issues that go along with it too that just aren't present in the past games. So, and part of that is exploring a different formula for it. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of unfortunate in that sense, but I don't know. I guess I overall I say I enjoyed. I enjoy. I enjoyed most of my time with it. Yeah. So I like I yeah I, I. For all intents and purposes, really, really loved it. I think if you hold it up to, as you mentioned, any other game, not a Metal Gear game per se, I think it's incredible. Like, it's definitely, it's probably, I haven't played many of the huge releases this year, but it's probably second to only Bloodborne for me, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and really for me, ins- it's, right, for me, it's second to The Witcher, and then Bloodborne and, and Metal Gear are kind of on the same pedestal, but go ahead, continue. Yeah, it's just, it's, just the story, I, just everything about it is just what brings it down so much. So that's when you get into the territory of ranking it as a Mental Gear game rather than just you know a games game point like sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Which Metal Gear is so central on the story. That's the story. thing. That's the, just, that's the thing that makes Metal Gear Metal Gear is the story. 
Yeah, and that's how I think you get such divisive opinions. Like, I like it's weird to, th- uh, with no other franchise and no other game, can I imagine us being so, so negative and exacting in our thoughts? But then reflecting back and be like, yeah, for me it was an eight. Like I love my time with it because you're in two mindsets. You've got like you do put it in the top. I would say maybe the top five percent of like all video games released in a year. But then you start to talk about the elements that. Our Metal Gear is known for, and you're like, oh shit, it was a bad Metal Gear game, and and that is where all the negativity comes out. I feel like for me, it's going through, you know, going through those motions, playing, you know, getting hands on with those mechanics and playing the game in that moment. It's a lot of fun. It's it's great. I think I had the most fun in the moment of playing that game than any of the other Metal Gear games. But then when you stop and you reflect on it. And you think back, it's it feels empty, and you without that story, that really good story, what were what were any of those actions for? You know, it really lacks. I feel um, the meaning and purpose that mm-hmm. the gameplay of other Metal Gear Solids had. Yeah, I think part part of the thing that's most disappointing in terms of just like it being the final Metal Gear game is that it doesn't feel like an end at all. It feels like a transition where all the oh, other Metal not. Gear games yeah. have felt like they've had they felt like they were it. That was it. They felt like that was the end. It wrapped everything up. There may be things that you don't understand about it because mm-hmm. that's they weren't explained or talked about really, but you just know that something happened that led to this. But they all had definitive endings where everything got wrapped up. All the stories that were told in that of those characters in that game were realized to some degree pretty pretty fully yeah and this one was just like well you didn't play you aren't big (laughs) boss big boss is doing his own thing you're just here to continue his stuff you have to deal with this one random guy who shows up and he's dead halfway through the game and then you have to try to kind of pick up some of the pieces of your base and all that and then Surprise! Your fake kid shows up and takes the thing. That was the other thing. That was the most of, one of the most upsetting things. Before we, I, I can't let this go yet. Was <laughs> they didn't talk I love about? It. I love it. So I mean, Fifty One would have uh, reconciled this. Mission Fifty One would have reconciled this. But it was the whole thing where they didn't even bother to try to explain it, even in like a mission tape or something to throw in at the end. Was that Eli just like took Soholanthropus, which was supposed to be the biggest threat the world will ever would ever have known, and if anybody ever finds out about it, the entire world is going to go to shit, and everything everybody's going to go to war, and it's going to be terrible, and the world's going to end. And then Eli just comes in and takes it, and everybody's like, "Oh, he took it. We can't find him." Oh, we <laughs> can't find him. And it was yeah. just like, "What?" <laughs> it's like, "Are you talking so about?" We'll worry about it when it becomes a problem. Yeah, and it was just like, well, "What happened?" Sir, he's below the waves. It's just like, "What happened to the philanthropist?" It's like he doesn't clearly isn't in the first game. It's, it's weird, man. It, that that is really weird. How that never gets talked about. Um, it's like you could even excuse that it doesn't get answered if it's like, oh, it was a Metal Gear Six, but like it doesn't even get talked about. No, by the, and by that's the, the most pivot. That's your motivation for the entire first chapter of the game is to stop that thing from being exposed to the world. And then you just some random let some random punk just take it from you, and you're like, well, we can't find it. Let's do other things. <laughs> it's like no. <laughs> That was like that's such the dumbest thing. But yeah, even like a mission tape or two, just to like wrap it up, have something. I can't imagine they couldn't have recorded some of the dialogue or turned some of those scenes into dialogue. 
even after they had known, okay, we're not going to be able to do Chapter 51. Uh, yeah. So let's, let's get, I don't know, shit, let's do something. You almost feel like the game would have been, like, knowing that they weren't going to be able to do Chapter 51, and, like, we are, I'm definitely in the realm of speculation now because we don't know how soon they, they learned that or when that stipulation came down, yeah. assuming, of course, that Konami put the axe on it. Right. It's like, wouldn't it have been a better game for just scrapping that cutscene entirely? Mm-hmm. Like of of him escaping with Sahelanthropus, like yeah, there's still a lot of of loose ends tied up, but at least there's not that loose end, right? Me. Just yeah, you could have you could true. have him escape with the other people, like hold the helicopter hostage. I don't know, like again, anything. and have him get away, just to kind of like progress Liquid's storyline leading up to the next one. He's like, okay, he's not trapped on Mother Base with them forever. So it's like that you could have done that and just let let them keep Sahelanthropus there. Mm-hmm. But then, doesn't don't they still have an English strain of the virus? Psychomantis still has that, doesn't he? Because he was in possession of one before they left, or like when Snake was going to throw it in the fire. Uh, yeah, you're he right. threw two of them. He still has one because one right. didn't die. So he yeah. has one of these English strains of the virus that could destroy the world. Yeah, he does. Or I guess I guess it would be Eli, right? He yeah, probably yeah. Get Eli it's or whatever. Are we not concerned about this at all? It's just like we are, we are, but they so are. they they have two things that well, could destroy. They don't know that, do they? they that's they true. They don't know that. They don't. Yeah, they yeah, don't. They, know don't, they don't know that that happens. But I mean, that's those are the two threats that you're trying to stop the entire game, and then they just get away from you, and you don't prevent them, and they're just like, ah, tough shit. Let's move on. <laughs> it's like. Just even like a mission tape, just to be like we've located them. We're we have a sending out. We're leading out, and they're do just do something. We have people going out there. We're gonna head out to this mission and do this, and you're going, and then instead, kind of thing. They gave you what like five or six mission tapes about hamburgers. Oh God, yeah, that was hilarious. Don't tell me you didn't like Kaz's. I did. That was <laughs> saga of Kaz's. That was really funny. I liked that a lot. But that, yeah, yeah. you don't know hamburger. <laughs> I just like the, the, so random. The clearly acting, eating that yeah. Doctor's voice actor was doing. Like. <laughs> 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 like clearly God. not hamburger. Eats. And I like the whole time they're like they're clearly like making a dig at McDonald's. Oh like, yeah, setting yep. the whole time like we have all these we put all these additives and chemicals in it to make it the best burger in the world. And it's like, well, you're not gonna die from it. We don't think. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh God, that was so funny. That was so random too. I don't even know how you got those tapes. They just yeah, saw them show up once. It's like, the hell is this? causes a restaurant I mean, it's a nice break because yeah. the rest of the game, Cause just gets progressively angry. Yeah, and he goes insane and becomes Ugh. Big Brother. And yeah, Adam, I'm surprised you never interjected with uh, with your tagline at any point in this podcast. Oh, that's true. You said you were going to do it a lot. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just too running over the story. It's just stamping my enthusiasm for saying it. No. Yep. The story, play like you, the story play you like a damn fiddle. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm sorry if I got you guys depressed about your view on the game, <laughs> but I mean... No, no, no. Like I, as I said, I, I do love the game. It's just every aspect of the story is... Yeah, it's the dual... Mo- yeah. Like every, yes. as I said, every character under delivers. It's weird because 
it just leaves so many little things like I understand kind of it as I was mentioned it does explain the whole disbanding of you know Miller and Oslock going their opposite ways and Miller being kind of just disenfranchised and annoyed by boss's plan or big boss's plan but then just taking characters like Oslot and seeing how he is as Shadow Moses like the, the jumps like in how the characters are it just it just there's no closure and no it doesn't there's no realistic jumps in why characters are the way they are and like mm-hmm. Skullface is interesting in, to a point but also kind of generic and I never cared under, about him at all. really un, underdeveloped and then Volgan there's no there's not that much method to the madness Mantis just pops up when he wants to <laughs> yeah pretty much and Co-Talker there's no real resolve there either that's what they had too, they had too many characters in play in this game I think where it's like all the other games had a lot of characters but they were clearly defined roles that they played Mm. Where this one was like way too fluid in their interplay and like, oh, they're here. Oh, they showed up this guy here. And this guy came up here. And then it's like, well, who are these guys? And it's like, well, we'll talk about them later. And then, oh, they came back. And then it's like, it was just this weird thing where they gave you little like glimpses as to all these different people and they never committed to really talking about them. Yeah, even when they're in the back of the Jeep, which yeah. <laughs> uh, Boston, uh, Boston Skullface, and he just lays out this entire and scheme, <laughs> and then it's just this awkward kind of just they just sit and things. stare at each other the for twenty story. minutes while <laughs> and the, the theme song played. The fact that it wasn't like at least even cinematically done with the camera, it was actual like in game. It just yeah. made it so ham fisted and just uh, <laughs> so how oh, that was weird. And every once in a while too, Venom would like look. Would, he would like look around, which is his natural animation to kind of look back and forth, and he would like yeah. look back at the camera, like at me from behind, like <laughs> get lower this guy. Are you gonna take this? He's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I don't know why I'm sitting here either. I don't know. I don't know. Right. It's just so weird. It's like that was. I mean, I that was one of my favorite parts about Metal Gear Solid Four was after beating the the Beauty and Beasts. Every time you beat them, like, you didn't know anything about them. That they're just like these random, crazy, bi- semi like, or these chicks in these bionic suit type things. And then at the every time you beat one of them, you had Drebin come in and give you this really long and vivid graphic, like, explanation to their childhood and what drove them insane. Like those were the most haunting and like coolest storytelling elements. And that that was the only information you ever got on them was that one little sitting. Where they just talked about them, and then that was it. And then it's like they they kind of did that with the mission tapes, but that's still not. That's just really poorly done in comparison because you can choose not to listen to them, and then yeah, you miss out on a lot of stuff. And then there's just a shitload of them where you have to literally just sit down for like forty minutes for like five sessions just to get through them if you haven't followed up with them or you just wait till the end of the game and you have to sit for like four or five hours oh yeah listening to the tapes easily added god i don't know maybe 20 30 hours to my game time because i kind of would do it like i basically listened to each set as they came along there were only a couple that i kind of let sit there for a little while but um yeah it was such an odd um it was such an odd narrative choice from the very beginning because it's almost like it's almost running in the face of any tension or any any drama you're trying to build with those moments, which weren't successful in and of their own rights, but then it's further made unsuccessful by the fact that you hide facts in the tapes, and then us, having listened to all the tapes, like, 
it, it still doesn't answer the questions that we want answers to. Yeah, it's just so weird. And then the, I did like how Zero showed up at the end and talked for a while. But then that was it. Like, that was the only time. And that that whole... Uh, that was so weird. It would just keep, uh, Every time I think about more things about this game, I keep thinking of how screwed up the story was. When they had... When Zero was talking about basically keeping Big Boss alive at the end. Do you remember that? Yeah. The tape with that. It was just so... It felt like really half-assed for that. I was like, everybody's like, why are you doing this? He's like, I owe it to him. It's like, well, you just clearly betrayed him and you were trying to kill him for all this time and now you're just like, no, I'm going to keep him alive. <laughs> but, I don't know. But actually, well, he said that he wasn't, it was Skullface who was responsible for the attack on the original mother base. And see, that's why I wasn't think... Responsible. I remember reading, not so much a theory, but more a collection of that point, that Skullface's um, intention as a character and the victory in itself that he achieves is that he keeps Big Boss and Zero apart because Big Boss never hears the final message from Zero. So there's never that reconciliation. Mm. And because of Skullface and his participation in that, Big Boss lives the rest of his life believing that Zero is a complete monster. So it's interesting in that respect because keeping them apart, they could have came together, Boss and Zero, in like in the seven. As I read, I read, I think it was on Four Chan. They were talking about in the late seventies, the Patriot system wouldn't have been activated, and then Big Boss would never went to Outer Heaven, and then the like Solid Liquid and Solidist, like their life would be completely different as a result. But it's all just because of Skullface. Which, I guess, if it was more explicit and delivered better, it would at least. Well, it would I give guess, I, I guess to I don't understand. In the middle. I don't understand exactly what was preventing him from contacting Boss then, because that doesn't make any sense. Because I mean, he clearly was in contact with Ocelot, and he was like they weren't on good terms. Neither were Miller and Zero, but they could contact each other. So why couldn't you? get a hold of each other or zero would know where he's all the time why couldn't he just contact him random remotely and explain what's going on or say this is what's happening and mm. you'd think zero or you'd think Skullface would be even that more of a reason for them to join join up and reconcile that way to prevent him from doing what he's doing well i guess then you find out at the end that it's not really big boss who's doing that because it's venom so <laughs> <laughs> This uh, damn story. <laughs> yeah, it's just so. I don't know. They put you through the ringer. Like it was never. I never was confused by the storyline. It was never one of those things where it always that it overwhelmed me. It was just one of those things where it's like, okay, they went this way with it, or that's like. I guess I sort of get why you decided to go that way with it, just but it's a it, lot it, of, uh, of huh. Yeah, it's not. It's not like it's confusing if you really take the time to listen to it and understand it it's just like it's it's it just gets to the point where there's so many things that they're trying to keep track of that it's just kind of like oh shit we gotta address this here and it's like well this affects that in this way and this also affects that because of this branch off so we have to change that and it's like okay yeah, and the tapes themselves, I can't ever see that being a Kojima decision, you know? Kind of going back to where, like, at what point did Kojima kind of get disillusioned and maybe remove himself from the project a bit, or maybe it was segmented off in between departments. Like, he's never, like, so much effort has gone into writing that story and making it make sense, 
and having it build to something important and fit somewhere in the lore of the universe that it's like, I can't imagine he would have ever willingly or without some fight like bent to the focus-tested thing of like, let's make an open-world game with all the story segmented off so it doesn't get in the way of people who just want to play it. That's never been what Metal Gear has been about. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I guess... I don't know if there's anything else that we... They played us all like a damn fiddle. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if there's much more uh, to be said on it. We covered pretty much every aspect. Fantastic game. Stands up as an incredible game in comparison to other games. But from a Metal Gear point of view, which as we know is infamously story heavy and paced well, it doesn't hold up in the same regard. No, it's it's awful in comparison. So the praise in my eyes when it was first reviewed, or first <clears throat> reviewed and released were overblown to a fairly significant degree. But it still doesn't detract from the fact that I still think it's an incredible game. But mm-hmm. just not not the book end to the saga that I wanted. Yeah. Because my god is it a saga, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's a shame in that respect, and it's a shame, not just from the game, but just it's. We'll never, well, hopefully, eventually, we do know when everything comes out about Kojima and Konami, how much all the, the the chaos within that studio and that publisher, how that impinged on the game from, you know, a point of view of narrative and character development and just general production and development. Right. Yeah, I I honestly think that the decision to make Peace Walker was what did it in to have it to create that segmented formula is really ultimately what led to four being or five being as kind of not not broken but not good in certain aspects of it compared to the other ones because they took a lot of that same formula which was designed as a portable format and if you play it on a normal system and try to do it in a single sitting or two sittings like the other Metal Gears you're not going to enjoy your time because there's so many stops along the way for that that it, uh, it just doesn't allow the story to develop properly yeah and I that's... have a friend who hates he hates Peace Walker because he says it is everything that's wrong with modern Metal Gear as in Metal Gear Solid 5. Yeah, I mean, that's for sure what led to it being this. Because they tried to take the portable formula and they tried to change it a bit and make it an open world game on a home console. Yeah. And that's just... And it helps with, like, making the game more manageable, I guess, and bite size, and, you know, you can do a mission or two. But, yeah, it definitely hurts the storytelling and the pacing. Yeah, and that's... And that's not what I mean. That I'd, I'd want, like Peace. I wish I would have played Peace Walker when it was on PSP or when it first came out on PSP, just to get that little bite-sized experience when running through to different things. Not that, not that the game is small, but the doing a mission or two here and there, going through it, and how the scenes were set up. And I think that would have been. A, I would have a totally different view on that game too. But just. It really when you sit down on your sit down on your couch and have your TV on and turn on a game, you're gonna play it for a bunch of hours, and you want to get invested in something, generally. So, I don't see why you need to try to translate that to 
the portable experience to a game console. It just I wanted a movie and I didn't get a movie, which is mainly my what makes me complain about the game. Yeah. I need to get into the tapes, because, yeah, from yeah, I noticed what you, you guys are earlier, saying. So you haven't listened to, like, most of them? Yeah, not even the hamburger ones. <laughs> um, Those are the but I, I know I, I know they inform a lot of probably what I've not been talking about, so I do need to get into them. I still think it's annoying that such, like, a substantial amount of the story is told through them, but I guess for closure's sake, I'll, I'll need to go through them, which I will. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't know if there's anything else. We're approaching the two-hour mark now that we've been talking about ranting and raving on, on only yeah. Metal Gear. Well, I think we can put it. I think we could put it to book or to the book, and then give it the headline: "The Ultimate Metal Gear Solid Five Verdict." <laughs> the <laughs> Ultimate Metal Gear Solid Five discussion. There the missing link in the I Metal Gear Solid Five <laughs> reviews, Chapter Fifty Two. <laughs> no, because I think like literally the only thing we didn't talk about is like graphics. You know what I mean? Like the, the yeah. performance in that element. Like that's not not necessary. So, no, which they're so well done that it's not even worth commenting on. Yeah. Apart from saying that they're fantastic. So. <laughs> yeah, they're really good. Uh, but yeah, it's it's an interesting beast to tackle. It's not, and we'll it's, probably it, revisit it. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's definitely it's a game. I mean, Metal Gear games make you think, and I've probably thought more about this one than I have most games in my life, in reflecting <laughs> on it. So, that'd be good. But yeah, I say I think we all agree it's maybe got a little bit too much praise right off the start because people were fresh and new to the new Metal Gear game and wanted it to be the best game ever made. Thankfully, thankfully we've broken down absolutely every single element into the truth of the matter. The uh, the argumentative uh, analysis that we've conducted here tonight has been thorough yeah. and exhaustive. So, yeah, if you've made it this far and listened to our whole two hours <laughs> of the podcast... What is wrong with you? <laughs> you should... Uh, Get back to Fallout 4 because well, you... Well, maybe later. <laughs> But yeah, but if there's anything that you think we missed or anything that you think we're just totally wrong on or anything like that or stuff that you just want to add to, let us know in the comments so that we can address those or see if there's anything that we can help to answer or maybe we are just idiots sometimes and totally omit something important. But I'm pretty sure we covered pretty much everything about Metal Gear Solid Five. I think everything we anything we didn't cover is just the stuff that's kind of more so open to interpretation and probably the finer minute details that probably some yeah. of the tapes go into. But mm-hmm. and we didn't really talk a lot. I don't want to. Have, I don't have to go searching for my story. You know, I want it there. Oh, right. because it is, I want it there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and that's what they're so good at. That is that they it's they have all the main points in your face in the older games where it's like mm-hmm. this is happening. Deal you with better, it. Yeah, pay attention to what's going on right now. And then, but this one's just like something happens. You're like, well, what happened? And you have to go back and listen to all these things. To me, it was like the weird Metal Gear equivalent of games that let you skip cutscenes. Except with Metal yeah. Gear, the cutscenes are like 30 minutes long, so the tapes are kind of the cutscenes that you're allowed to skip in this game in a weird way. Yeah. <laughs> like mm, these are the yeah. extra bits that you are optional for gamers who I don't know. If you didn't want to play a Metal Gear game for the story. You know, which is clearly, I think, where this decision maybe came from, is that we wanted to cordon that off in an area where people who didn't want to hear it didn't need to bother with it. Why? Mm-hmm. Why are you buying the game? Why are you playing a Metal Gear game? 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of it's just going to be new players. I feel like a lot of new players just play or will be playing these playing through Metal Gear Solid Five and just don't finish it. I just I honestly kind of see that. I feel like only the people that I know who are super hardcore Metal Gear Solid Five or Metal Gear Solid fans are the ones who are even bothering with the platinum to go through all that pain and agony. Well, I can see the first pain point being why the hell am I watching these credits over and over again? Yeah, that's <laughs> like, true. Like we just accept it because it's a it's a Kojimaism, and we want to see where it goes. So we keep playing the game, and we see where the story ends up. But mm-hmm. like that's t- <laughs> if I was a brand new person coming into the Phantom Pain because I heard it was an awesome open world uh, open world sandbox and and stealth game, I'd be like, God, this is weird. Like, why are we <laughs> doing this? Why have I been playing this for fifty hours and nothing's happened yet? Yeah. All right, but yeah. So if there's anything that you think we missed, anything that you want us to talk about later on, I'm sure we'll. Probably isn't the last time we'll ever talk about Metal Gear Solid Five again. So, but let us know in the comments what you think, what you thought of the podcast, and thanks, guys, for that hefty discussion on such a small, <laughs> insignificant title of the year. No, thank you, guys. <laughs> it, it small had to be indie done. title. Yeah, small indie title. So yeah, yeah. but this has been. <clears throat> What is this? Episode 6 of PlayStation mm-hmm. Fix. And we're going to continue with this conversation-style format. We might probably won't be going nearly as long in the future. But who knows? This was kind of a, this was something that just needed to happen <laughs> and have a real lengthy, thought-out discussion on this. So hopefully you enjoyed it, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.